Eight and welcome back to the One Two Three Show with me, Sadia Usmani. Now, the prolonged pandemic has made people more aware of both their physical and mental health. We have all experienced the strain, fear, and anxieties of the restrictions. However, for nearly six hundred thousand people in Hong Kong who live with some form of disability or special needs, the pandemic has just further aggravated the situation they face and caused further social exclusion. The Yama Foundation provides accessible yoga and well-being activities to these communities, and are hosting a conference to focus on this. And to tell me more about it, Hersha Chalram, co-founder and executive director of the Yama Foundation, joins me now. Good afternoon to you, Hersha. Hi, Sadia. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Um, now, for somebody who's perhaps not familiar with the Yama Foundation, do you want to tell me a little bit about it first? Yes, absolutely. So my husband and I started the Yama Foundation um, as a means to remove barriers to well-being, helping marginalized communities such as people with disabilities, limited mobility, families who have kids with special needs, or people with longer-term chronic illness or mental health issues, have the access to well-being programs such as yoga and expressive arts therapy as a means to empower them. The reason why we started this was actually based on a personal story. Um, we have a niece who was born with a rare genetic disease called mitochondrial disease. Her name is Talia, and we actually saw how body and movement-oriented interventions and creative expressive interventions really impacted on her quality of life, and that inspired us to actually start Yama Foundation here in Hong Kong. Mm. And now, given you know, I've just mentioned the fact that you know the pandemic. Obviously, we're all affected by it, but more so people who can't get access to these things. What exactly is the situation at the moment? Well, I think with um, the social restrictions, um, a lot of families who have a member with a disability or a special need, or even a chronic illness, there's a big worry that um, illness is actually just a whole different ballgame. For example, if we were to catch a cold, it's a three, four day thing. Mm -hmm. But for a child who might be immunocompromised, a cold could last anywhere from one to three months and have more complications mm -hmm. than needed. So I think in terms of the the fear of COVID, I mean, some of mo some of the children that are immunocompromised maybe cannot get vaccinated. And so there's that further isolation. There's that further worry. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, one of the things that we've seen, especially with schools closed and moving to online schooling, programs like this are also quite tricky for families to find a way for their their kids to engage or parents themselves are very overwhelmed. And what we have seen because of COVID, especially these last three years for everybody, but particularly the families that we serve, the collective mental health of Hong Kong has suffered a profound setback. The quality of life has suffered a profound setback. But the gap between those that are affluent and able-bodied versus those that are not, it's getting wider yeah. and wider and wider. So what is the solution now? This conference, this is the second conference that you're doing, actually. You have done another one before this. Yeah, so we actually did our first one in 2020, mm -hmm. and that was luckily an in-person conference. And while we were hoping to have an in-person conference, I think that's just not possible for this year. Uh, so it's an entirely online conference. 
mainly to address this gap and to provide a whole range of family-oriented events that are, again, body and expressive art movement and a wide range of healthy lifestyle activities that can empower, heal, and connect the families. So we have most of our events are for all ages and all abilities, but we have some specialized workshops just for parents and carers so they can get tips and support on how to not only manage their own well-being, but to help support the family well-being as well. Are enough people, say, aware of just the effect of things like yoga and meditation? I mean, sometimes when you mention it to people that, oh, you know, you could try yoga or meditation or mindfulness, people go, oh, no, 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 that won't do any good. Like, you know, is that, uh, is that still some, uh, a bit of a barrier that you have to get through sometimes? I think so, especially when we started, um, when people think of the word yoga, they see what they, is available in uh, mainstream marketing and yeah. media. And usually what you see is a very able-bodied person in an impossible yoga pose or some sort of contortion or acrobatics. Yeah. Yeah. And so when people look at images like that, automatically they will think, oh, well, this practice isn't for me. And I'm actually a yoga therapist by profession, and I've been teaching meditation for more than 20 years now. Mm. And actually, the type of clientele that I have come across, which has actually, again, prompted me as to why the charity is so important, but you have people who can practice yoga as a therapeutic modality, and it helps with stress, it helps regulate the nervous system, there are, there's emerging research now that shows that movement and mindfulness-based interventions carry less stigma and are actually equal, if not more effective than simply cognitive therapy or talk therapy. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring the whole person to the forefront, and again, it's, it's kind of a specialization within the yoga world that actually it's accessible to anybody, whether you are in a wheelchair, whether you are 88 years old, whether you have an intellectual um, disability or you have neurodiversity, everyone can experience the benefits. Mm -hmm. The approach just is adapted. Right. But what we only see and experience is that fitness extreme yes. style yes. of yoga. And is it something that you can, obviously this is a virtual conference and a lot of things that you have been doing for the last couple of years has been virtual. Is it something that, you know, works well online? You can actually, you know, have a group in front of you or people in front of you. And do you find that you've adapted to that, that compared to the face-to-face? So I personally believe that, you know, nothing beats yeah, human connection yeah, face to face. That's right. However, uh, for a significant portion of the families we work with, online works just fine. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where engaging the family and looking after family well-being has been really crucial with this movement to online because the children, maybe they don't have their aides at school, they rely on their family members or their carers. And so when you extend that well-being practice to include them, it makes a big difference online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are the, the kind of major challenges, that, the greatest challenges that you feel you've got in front of you at the moment? 
Apart from obviously, if we got the pandemic out of the way, then you could actually start these things face to face and get back to normal. But, you know, in terms of even if the pandemic is has gone generally as the Yama Foundation, what are the hurdles for you? What do you want to see? So I think in in kind of general and pandemic aside, I think Hong Kong is moving towards becoming more accessible, but there's so much more that still needs to be done. Um, our population is aging, which means the prevalence of disability is only going to go up. And there is a significant lack of well-being professionals who have specialized skills on working with different abilities and being able to be more inclusive in their practices, their classes, and even in their spaces to accommodate people with different abilities, um, to accommodate children who might have special needs. This is one of the biggest, biggest challenges. A lot of parents come to us because, you know, and some of them very emotional because their children have been labeled too disabled or too disruptive and therefore have been excluded from even after school activities. And so this is where we have really worked hard to create a very supportive and caring community, no matter how severe the disability or special need. Mm, That's quite a a major challenge there, isn't it? But it's really just about raising awareness. So through this conference, what do you hope? What's the main aim of the conference, apart from obviously supporting people who have that and to tell them about it? What do you hope to get out of it? So we are really lucky that we have a wonderful community and network, not just of our own direct beneficiaries, But the conference is collaborating with other NGOs that also support people with disabilities and special needs, and they're offering workshops for the families. Mm -hmm. But aside from the direct families that we are targeting, we're actually also targeting service providers or well-being professionals who might want to expand their work and expand their perspectives on working with people with disabilities and special needs. And obviously, as a result, we're hoping to actually expand our network and grow the core of expertise in Hong Kong mm. to be able to serve not just people with disabilities and special needs, but our growing aging population as well. How does it work in terms of costs? Like, so if there is a family who maybe has a, a child who has a disability and, um, you know, and they come to access some of your services, in terms of payment or you know how do you survive as a as a charity like do you have supporters and is, are people expected to pay some money for some of the things that you do you know the classes and things like that it's a very good question so we are really really grateful that we do have a number of donors and supporters supporting the work that we do so this conference is entirely funded by the hong kong jockey club charities trust mm-hmm. and so as a result um we are able to offer programs that are completely free on a pay-as-you-wish basis or most classes are on a donation basis. So the end user does not have to bear the burden of the cost, which provides a lot of financial relief on low-income families. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. So. Um, one of, sorry, one yeah. of the other things is, um, oh, 
I lost my train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's kind of a, a concern, really, because you know I can imagine people struggling being able to think about the financial side of things, but just to know that you have the support of community organisations who are there to provide these facilities, um, and I can imagine that you know if we if we put the pandemic aside then are we talking about a particular venue that people come to where they can participate in these classes how does it normally work so we have a number of yoga studios that we partner with that support our organization and offer us their space for us to use however this is again another one of the barriers that we face um last oh. year a couple of yoga studios that we had worked with had closed down because of the pandemic and just not being able to keep up their business. So we did a, a search Hong Kong wide across, you know, all the yoga centers and dance studios and well-being centers um, asking two questions. Does your studio or your space have wheelchair access from the street? Yeah. And does the building have an accessible, friendly toilet? Mm. And based on that search, only one came back to us with both those criteria of all the spaces in Hong Kong, just one. And, you know, also willing to give us the space for us to use for our clients. So this actually poses a really, really big issue amongst the well-being industry in Hong Kong. And it's something that, you know, we're hoping to change in the short to midterm. Mm -hmm. So ideally, it would be amazing to have a space that we could run and operate in that was solely for our yeah yeah services mm. but you know hong kong we've got a great number of ngo community partners some of them already have spaces and so we did adapt adjust and accommodate and find a way to reach out to families however we do and we've, we've been doing it okay so far Hersha, thank you so much it's been so nice um talking to you and it's amazing you know how you managed to still carry on doing all of these things during the pandemic as well um i'll just leave it on a final note so for instance um if you could just summarize really in terms of the the conference if people are interested and anyone can attend this conference if they want to find out more just give us the details and and that way, if anyone can, then they can, um, you know, register or do whatever it is they need to do. Absolutely. So the Accessible Wellbeing Conference is on Saturday, April 23rd. It's a fully online conference. Uh, you will register and actually gain access to the replays for three months after the conference as well. So if you can't make it on that day, still sign up. And you can get details on our website at yamahk.org slash conference. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. I wish you luck. And uh, remember, you can always come back here and give us an update. And if you ever need anything, just come back and we can plug it. So, Hersha, thank you. thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been brilliant. Thank you, Sadia. Good Thanks luck for having me. Good luck with the conference. Thank you. Bye.